Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Through the Window podcast. You're joined with co-hosts Ben, Dan and Joss. And this month or week or day, we're speaking about a topic very close to our hearts, and that is mental health with men. Yes, we are, Ben. Uh, it is November and it is Men's Mental Health Awareness Month, also November. And we thought it would be good to sit down and have an open, honest chat about some of our experiences and things that you can do to help get through. We did, Joss. Um, I overindulged some of some personal topics of my own, um, which is a good thing, really, isn't it? Because it, it means that we're, we're sharing with each other. Um, but yeah, uh, we look forward to you interacting with this content. Um, and uh, yeah, have a have a great day. Uh, Max is on the controls today. Big up, Max. Practice. Thanks, Rod Max. Max. Thank Does, you, Max. Is he cut to camera? Did you cut? To, oh, nice. Nice. Um, and yes, today we thought we would jump into men's mental health because it is Men's Mental Health Awareness Month. Um, Every no, month is Men's Mental Health Awareness, Joss. Well, yeah, 100% it should be. <laughs> so It should always be awareness, but... Stop coming at him, mate. November He's is... our friend. I was being a Facebook mum. That was all. <laughs> nice. Yes. Um, obviously, November is known for Movember or No Shave, no shave November. No, not. No, no, November. Um... But officially, it's about, in particular, it was started uh, to prevent or raise awareness around prostate cancer um, and testicular cancer, as well as uh, male mental health and suicide prevention. Why are you smiling, Dan? <laughs> because I was going to ask some, like, we need to be serious about it. And I was going to yeah. say, have you ever had to go to the doctors and get your prostate examined? I've never had that before, but the closest I've got to it. And I was thinking, do I want to go into detail about yeah, this? Yeah, come on. All right. Let's do it. It's awareness, um, so, baby. So um, I had to go to the doctors once because... Um, for those of you who don't know, Dan has extremely large testicles. testicles. <laughs> <laughs> Joss's mum will listen to this. Oh, but it's, it's all in the name of good health, right? Yeah. Um, it's not even related to my testicles. Um, <laughs> I, what? <laughs> you start on prostate. Yeah, well, it's slightly different. And okay. um, I... Uh, I don't even. Um, so, on, so basically, I've got um, uh, what's it called, vitiligo, which makes me look like a leopard. I've got no a cheetah. Is it cheetah with spots? Yeah, yeah. And um, I had to go to the doctors because I had it on my Johnson, and I thought I need to go get this checked out. So I had to go to the doctors and lay on the bed and pull my trousers down. How was it? It was. I was so nervous yeah. at the time. How but old were you? I was like eighteen, I think. Wow. Um, it's pretty funny this because I don't even think my 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 parents know about me having this condition, but um, I mean it's fine. I'm thanks for asking. I'm completely fine. Good. I knew um, that already. We had this discussion the other day. I've did, seen it. But it's we we that was off the record. But this is on yeah, the record no, no, now. No. This is live. This is everyone's going to know about it. So yeah, I had to go there, and actually it wasn't as bad as I thought. So in relation to that, you shouldn't be afraid, Joss. I was going to say, you need to go to the doctors and do stuff, you know. It's better to be but then safe again, and sorry and get it checked out. I am one person who hates going to the doctors and seeking treatment. I don't like mm. taking uh, tablets or painkillers or anything. So it took a while. I mean, I probably had it for like over a year before I was like, I should probably get this checked out. Does it change but, anything physically about you? Or is it just a, is it like a cosmetic skin change? Yeah, it's like a cosmetic skin change. It's like if, if I was playing Need for Speed and you can customise your car, 
I would be able to customise that part of me. Yeah, um, so you've got a custom cool. skin on your Johnson, basically. Yeah, it's cool, isn't it? If anything, it's yeah. I mean, you've mine, seen it. Mine's just one colour. Yeah, and so is Joss, I imagine. Yeah. So, so, so I'm quite lucky that now. I'm quite lucky that I have like multiple skin tones on me. There. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you think I've over divulged information? <laughs> I don't, I, I don't I'm so. just trying to work out where we go from here. <laughs> um, I, what I was trying to say is that if there are things that you need to get checked out at a doctor's mm. regarding your health, regarding, I mean. It's mental health awareness. I've gone pure in on physical health. That's okay. But still. They link, man. They link. link. Massively. How did it affect your mental? It's also about opening up, right? Yeah. So that's what I'm doing here. How did it affect your mental health when you you realised there was something untoward? I mean, I must have been very stressed and not, probably not stressed, probably just like, what the hell is this? I imagine as an 18-year-old what the hell? boy as well, you're, you're quite nervous about Actually, like yeah, that. and playing ice hockey. I was going in the shower with other guys, and I was the only guy in there with a leopard print dick. Let, let's call it spotted dick. Spotted <laughs> nice. nice. Yes. A bit more um, family-friendly, we could say, because it's a dessert. Yes. <laughs> do not describe it as a dessert, mate. It's a main It's course. not a dessert for anyone. <laughs> or it's, do not relate it to food, okay? Um, but I guess... Uh, coming from that point of view, I was obviously quite self-aware um, mm. in the showers. Why am I different? <laughs> Why am I different to these people? Um, and actually, it's just like it's actually really common. Uh, we had Gruffin the other day, who has got it, he's got vitiligo, but actually like quite over his hands and on his arms and elsewhere on his body. And we both share a common ground because we both have it on our spotted dicks. Did you did you show each other? No, I didn't. <laughs> Were but like there was a yeah because Max and I are in the studio. Luke and Max uh, are both uh, they both don't have spotted dicks as far as we know. Yeah, well he said he didn't, uh, but I couldn't I couldn't ask him because like you know um, <laughs> man boss. Yeah, boss, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Whereas Gruff and I do, and we said we should have like a battle battle royale, oh. like with two 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 v two. Yeah, what the spotted first and honest. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, um, there we go. That's my oversharing done. Out of interest, yes, did it ever, or has it ever spread to any other part of your body? It hasn't, no. I, I think it has got a bit bigger over time, mm. the spottedness. <laughs> is, is it something that can develop over time? Is that what yeah, it I typically th- does? Yeah, so Gruff said it actually can develop quite, you know, I think it starts for a lot of people. I get, obviously Google, Google the hell out of it when it first happened. Um, it can start there and it can spread. And I think a lot of people do have it there. It does start there. Um, and it does spread across your body, but I mean, yeah, what not your, too fast if it does. What does your partner think about it? Uh, yeah, he thinks it's cool. He thinks like it's character, isn't it? It's who I am. I think if I had that, Amber would definitely like nickname it. I wonder. I wonder if it would like restrict me from. Well, it's not going to restrict me from doing jobs in the future. But <laughs> what sort of jobs are you planning to do? It's like on the job form. Have you got <laughs> tattoos, piercings, spotted dick? <laughs> <laughs> Um, no spotted dick allowed. <laughs> well, I mean, in nude scenes in films, you never see people with that. I might, I might open more more doors for me. You never know. Like, are you planning on going into? T- yeah, TV presenting. They'll be like, we need a, a, a naked TV presenter uh, with a spotted dick, and I'll be top of the list because I'm like on the listings, castings, <laughs> castings. <laughs> I don't, I don't know how your brain goes to these tangents, mate. But I'm here for it. I'm glad, I'm glad we're here for it, uh, and I'm glad for anyone at home. If you do have a spotted dick, then power, let, power to us. Let us know. Uh, I guess. I, I, I think there's going to be people at home be like, oh shit, I have a spotted dick too. Mm. Don't show us, but you know, 
Okay. Check yeah. it out. It's normal. There's nothing wrong with it. It's purely cosmetic as far as we're aware. Yeah. If you see me in the street, don't ask to see it because I'm not going to show you. <laughs> it, would, it would be kind of cool though if it did spread to other parts. Like, where do you think it would be cool? Like, have it on the hand a little. I've bit. seen like people with it like all over their like all over their body. Yeah, yeah. There's a really famous model called Winnie Harlow, and she's like completely like covered by it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. Cool. <laughs> there you go. There we go. It'd be cool if you had like a smiley face on your bum or something like that. Yeah. Know, just random like that. <laughs> yeah. It's a bit like, you know, when you go to the beach and sometimes you put suntan lotion on someone, but you draw something funny on their mm. back. Mm. It's a bit like that. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Josh, have you ever been, had a prostate test or anything? I haven't actually. And I was actually, funnily enough, listening to a podcast the other day and the guy in the last year has had testicular cancer and actually beaten it. Um, and it made me think, oh, I should probably, you know, check when I'm in the shower or whatever more than I do because... You don't really think about it until you hear about someone having it, do you? Massively. Um, but no, I've never had a scare or anything like that. Have you? No. No. A good friend of mine, actually, at hockey called... Uh, he he had testicular cancer, and he beat it, and he's actually got a fake ball now. Um, really? And at the time, I remember hearing about it, and it was like... It was, yeah, obviously, it's quite a shock, isn't it, when you hear like, you know someone that you play hockey with and his friend you know, has it. Shit and he was like it fighting well. it at the time, mm. and he's his health like obviously deteriorated quite quick because of like chemo and stuff and trying to like, fight it. Mm. He's fine now, completely fine now. But um, yeah, I think when when it's close to home, you're suddenly like, oh shit, I should actually yeah. think about being a bit more serious and checking the symptoms. That's what? the thing. Like in that podcast as well, he was saying that especially with testicular cancer, it can basically affect you at any age. Like, mm. I guess typically cancer happens a lot later in life, but testicular. This guy's, I think. Similar age to you two, like 27, 28, around there. Um, and I, I guess the one benefit of it is because it's so common, it's also the most treatable. Mm. Um, so obviously you still got to go through chemo and everything, but it's much they're much more equipped to deal with the process of it because it is so common. And he, you know, he beat it within a year. Nice. Yeah. yeah. But I guess the the main reason why we've sat down today is to have a sit uh well a sit down an honest open chat mm. where we can and where we're feeling comfortable um and i guess the goal is to hopefully encourage some of you at home to do the same hopefully it makes you a bit more comfortable and open to discuss these things either with a mate with a family member or um with a man that's in your life something like that so yeah you're a man of in my life dan thank you <laughs> you're welcome Yes. All right. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. Um, <laughs> I guess the first question then to to put forward is, what has your experience been with mental health? Um, have you ever struggled significantly? Um, obviously, we don't have to talk in too in detail if you don't want to. But um, yeah, how have you dealt with it? And what was it? Was what was that experience? And did you, I guess, go to the doctors or anything like that for it? Do you want to start, Dan? You can start. You oh. can start. I've already like divulged. A bit. <laughs> I'll come back to me in five minutes. I'll, I'll over divulge then as well. God, okay. Um, More to come, ladies and gentlemen. More to come. I remember when I was twenty-three or twenty-four. It was just before I met Amber, and I woke up in the middle of the night. Well, no, I woke up about six in the morning, and I couldn't breathe, and I it felt like I was having a heart attack, and. 
at the time that's all I could think of that what that's what it was it was a heart attack I couldn't calm down mm. and what was happening I was progressively getting worse that my chest was tight it was hurting I couldn't breathe and those symptoms was getting worse and worse and worse so I got in my little um orange Toyota Igo and I literally drove to the hospital at like 90 miles an hour because oh obviously you're just panicking because I think if I don't get there on time I'm gonna die yeah and I'm like I'm like almost crying like driving there because I'm so scared like oh my god I'm, I could just I could die here uh, and I get into A&E, park my little, I go up and I go to the um, A&E reception and I'm like, I'm just like frantic. I'm like, I, I can't breathe. I think I'm having a heart attack. I think I'm going to die, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, okay, go have a seat. And I'm thinking like, that's not what I want to fucking hear right now. Like, yeah. I'm not, I don't want to wait. And I go over to the seat in the A&E room and I literally collapse on the floor because I can't, it's, it's like, it's gone to that point at that point. And then they, I think like a nurse or a doctor comes in and sits me down and they'd like put like, um, you know, they monitor my heart and all this sort of stuff and I end up calming down and I still have no idea like what's caused it. They've never like really explained to me at the time. I later realized later down the line, it was a panic attack, but I don't really know what caused it. And that, mm. that then started my journey with um, anxiety at the time because I realized I had a panic attack in my bedroom where no one else was there while I was sleeping. So it's yeah. like, how, how do I stop that from happening? How I can't, I can't stop sleeping and I can't like stop not being alone. For example, it wasn't like I was like, Oh, I was at a football game and it happened. It's like, okay, I'll avoid football games. Yeah. I, I, can't, I can't avoid yeah. going to bed. Um, and then that started, you must remember this, Dan, mm. like in desk and stuff. I, I became really aware of my breathing to the yeah. point that yeah. I, I had to think if I was thinking about my breathing, I was like really conscious about it. And then when I was conscious about it, I couldn't think about anything else. I couldn't stop thinking about it. And if I wasn't thinking about it, I was worried I wasn't going to stop breathing. Yeah. Does that make sense? You become hyper aware of it. You took, yeah, I remember at the time you took like, you took a couple of days off as well. And it was always, you said, I just, I can't, I'm struggling to breathe. Like I can't yeah. focus on anything else but my breathing. And I, I remember laughing at you and was like, <laughs> what, the what are you talking about? Talking like, about? Like, yeah. how, what do you, what do you mean? Like, it's just breathing. What are you talking about? Obviously I like knew about the, the couple of days before that had happened, but it's quite hard to understand what someone's going through in that way and what like it was hard to explain because yeah. it, it sounded ridiculous yeah i can't stop thinking about breathing yeah you know you hear that statement you think we'll stop well, you know, what, what, what do you mean you we'll can't stop, stop thinking about it yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you just get into this pattern and the only time you're calm is when you're not thinking about it but yeah. as soon as you get into like bed and it's night time you're about to go to sleep your brain automatically goes to that and then that's when the panic can set and there's a few times at night where i'd like i'd almost have a panic attack I'd have to go for a walk around the block at like one or two in the morning to calm down and try and get to sleep. So you've had that, that feeling since. You haven't got to that stage again, but you've had that kind of overwhelming feeling coming like, oh my God, it's, it's going to happen. Yeah, I've, I've got to the point where I could feel it building and I've managed to calm it down. Um, another time it did happen is I was on a flight to Iceland and I was in the window seat and we were like just about to take off and I could feel it like building again and I couldn't. It didn't really matter what I did because I was like locked into a window seat. Two people beside me, very like like sardines. It was really hard to like maintain the the fear, as it were. Yeah. And this is still when I was very young in understanding what was actually going on and not really realizing it was anxiety and the fear of a panic attack is what was causing the panic attack. Mm, so yeah. that I had nothing to fear. The fear was irrational. Mm. It wasn't like I, I wasn't scared. I wasn't scared of the plane going down. I wasn't scared of flying or anything like that. 
um, I was just scared of having that feeling of driving to the hospital and how much pain I was in and the fear that was there. I was scared of that happening. And that, yeah. because of that, it just a cycle, it cycles up, cycles up, cycles up. And I was getting to like towards the peak when the plane was taking off and I was like breathing really heavily and this like gorgeous Greek woman who was next to me, she's like put her hand on my lap. She's like, calm, you are you okay? And then she just took me out of it and we just started talking and then it was like, I calmed down a bit. Never, never thanked her really for that. But what a hero! Yeah, she was really nice, um, and she kind of took me out of it. And I remember when I was flying back from Iceland as well, I was petrified of it happening again. And luckily, it didn't. I, I ended up having like the, all three seats to myself, so I had like a lot of like breathing room, and I was completely fine. Nice. I had to like listen to like I had to put my headphones on and listen to music and like close my eyes and just really focus on the music and and just nothing else. Yeah, like anything from like metal to like Charles Benson to like just really weird genres <laughs> and stuff that I could I knew I could focus on and it was consistent and engaging enough that I would I wouldn't turn off to it. Yeah. Um, and that start that obviously took me down a journey because then I was like, fuck, you know, I can't I can't fly anymore. Mm. Like, I'm gonna I've now got this fear that every time I get on a plane I'm gonna have a panic attack. Which, ha- which happened a few times when we went on a national trust shoot. So I was like, I have to have an aisle seat. I have to yeah. have an aisle seat because uh, I don't, I don't want to be locked into the window seat anymore. Yeah. And um, flights after that were always fine. And now when I fly, I'm completely fine because I think what's happened is over time, and this, this is like testament to Amber as well when we first started dating, is I realized that these problems were purely just, it was just the fear of having that, experience again and now i can think about my breathing and there's no problem at all i can think about anxiety and there's no problem at all i feel like half if not all of the fight was just coming to terms of what was actually happening um i still have no idea what caused that initial initial panic attack in my room at six in the morning mm-hmm. waking up i didn't even have a nightmare um but now I'm, i mean as sucky and shitty as it was to get those like three four five six months of like high anxiety and like not sleeping and worrying and being scared it's now made me like really aware of anxiety but to the point now i don't get it anymore because as soon as i feel it come in i know what it is and that's that's originally what really fucking terrified me is i didn't know what was going on i was out of control whereas now when i get that those feelings come in i'm like fuck off yeah (laughs) i know what you i know i know what it is i know i know why it's happening don't care do you think part of that is is down to now having amber in your life and having someone that understands you because i guess in those two experiences you were somewhat by yourself mm. um do you think now having amber by your side really like helps ground you i think originally it really helped because i had someone who i was like sleeping next to at night so mm. those like fears of like going to bed dissipated because i had knew if, if something did happen there was someone there as now and it's like i think the initial onset she really helped with it whereas if it happens now like there's no drama anymore because I just I understand what it is. Yeah. So I've, I I don't want to say like you know I've I've conquered anxiety or anything stupid like that, but I've I've I think I've learned enough about it and experienced enough about it now to completely understand what it is and what it feels like. And I think for me that's half the battle. As, yeah. as soon as I realised that it's just irrational fear, the problem went overnight, and now I almost never get it. And if, if anything, I would now say that I feel less anxiety than I ever have. Like, yeah. I don't really get social anxiety anymore. Or like, you know, if someone says, do you want to come to my party? But you don't know anyone there. Like the, the hour leading up to arriving, you're like, fucking hell, you know, this first couple of hours are going to be a bit fucking awkward. Mm. I don't get that anymore because I know that feeling is just irrational. Yeah. So I think coming out of it, I'm like, oh, wow, you know, I don't, I don't get it anywhere near as bad anymore. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. Yeah, 100%. And I guess that's kind of, Part of 
part of it is just exposing yourself to those things. Like yeah. that party example, whether you like it or not, you're going to be going to that party. You're going to have to deal with that. Mm-hmm. I guess, I mean, you don't have to go, but let's say, you know, either way, you're going to end up going and you're going to have to deal with it anyway. So it is an irrational fear at the end of the day. Um, and I think exposure therapy. Yeah. It's literally what it is. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's something that I've dealt with. Like, you know how anxious I was before I did my first shoot by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got to a point where I was like, well, after the shoot, it was very easy for me to say, like, I was going to do that shoot either way. And I just had to kind of get over it. And now I'm, you know, very comfortable doing that kind of thing by myself because I know at the end of the day, it's a job that needs to be done. And what's the worst that's going to happen? You were going to say something there. Um, I was going to say, do you think you're lean in tattoo? When, what stage in your life was the lean in tattoo? That Especially was, when it comes to like parties and stuff. Ironically, that was before that whole that whole thing happened. So the lean in tattoo was like the lean in things that scare you. Um, but the anxiety thing was really scary because you don't know that half the half the half the problem is knowing what you're battling and you don't know what's going on. You don't you don't know what you're battling. So it's like, how the fuck do I lean into that? Mm. Um, but I guess in a way I did. I did lean into it and started to understand. And then it was just like maybe maybe way more. Um, I always remember before that happened, I was always like petrified of like I, I was always saying to myself, like, I'd rather like break both legs than have a mental health problem. Just because, A, the support you get from the NHS or from the health service is so much more researched yeah. in physical than it is mental. So I was worried, like, fuck, if I get, like, a mental health problem, like, I don't know how much support there is. But, like, if a bone breaks, doctors have been fixing that for hundreds of years, you know. There's, yeah. there's a lot of research and time and I think there's a lot more care in it than, than there, there was back then. So I think, but then after it happened, I remember just thinking, like, fuck, this is it. This is, like... Mm. and i remember i remember speaking to hannah roke about it who was a client and a friend of ours at the time and where a sentence a sentence she said and it always stuck with me is like this is not a life sentence like this feeling you're getting this thing you're going through with your mental health is not a life sentence it doesn't have to last forever yeah and i remember as soon as i heard that it just like really calmed me because like okay cool it's not i'm not going to be like this until i'm 86 yeah. Or when I finally kick it, you know, like yeah. it's, this isn't my life now. I'm just going through the motions, and this is like a chapter, I guess, of my life. And for mm. me, that that spoke wonders. Yeah, one hundred percent. So, Joss, um, <laughs> what are some of the things that? Uh, what are some of your vulnerabilities? Would you say? What are some of your things? What's? What are some of the things that you struggle with, uh, personally, mm. mentally? I know we've spoke quite a bit before about uh, like imposter syndrome and never feeling like you're doing the right thing or sometimes you're doing something wrong. You never have confidence in your own ability. Mm. I think we all struggle with that. But how does that affect you, do you think? I think imposter syndrome is a weird one because it can come at the most random times. Like you don't see it coming. It can take like you see someone doing really cool work on Instagram and then you're like, fuck, the stuff I'm doing is shit. Like why, why doesn't my work look like that why can't i edit like that um and i think i don't i don't know what the solution to that is because i think we all feel it you know in whatever whatever world you're in you're always going to think you know there's someone better um but i guess similar to what ben was just saying like the only way i i guess i can and i do deal with that is just just carrying on like okay that person's done something really good like that I'm going to try and do the same thing, if not better. Let me try and make something really, really sick and just get to that point because at the end of the day, I'm still learning every single day and me seeing that is just like, oh, cool. They've done it like this or they're doing this. I'm going to try that now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 
like a part of the process. Yeah, it's yeah, like a, it is. Like not not a hurdle, but it's almost like a a stepping stone into creating something forward in your life, kind of thing. Yeah, one hundred percent. And it's like I'd I'd say that in being, having imposter syndrome and feeling those things is just it's putting you out of your comfort zone, and that is the best place to learn anything. So does it come from a, a, a fear of not being good enough to do something, or yeah. not, not believing in your ability enough? A mixture of both, right? I'd say. Um, I think. I've always struggled to believe in maybe the quality of the work I produce. Um, maybe just because I feel like I'm I'm very lucky to be where I am, and maybe I haven't earned it, and maybe I don't have, you know, the qualifications or experience to back it up as to why I'm here and why I'm doing this. So why why am I ever going to produce work that's that good? Because you know I don't have all this knowledge. Blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. I always think that's a funny thing and I think a lot of people feel like that but the one thing that you need to remember and I saw it on TikTok yesterday and I think (laughs) and and, um, Hannah um, Hannah and I were watching and we both kind of laughed at it because it's like we're all doing a job in something that we're all kind of just not winging it but we're all kind of in a job working out how to do this job whilst doing a job whilst everyone else is trying to work out what they're doing in their job yeah and it's like no one is a, a fucking expert at anything no. we're all always learning yeah and it's like i think the tiktok was relating to like i'm gonna go to work and figure out how to do my job whilst my boss tries to do their job and then their boss does this and it's like we're all just in it to learn and like you're in this life to really have a good time which i think we're quite lucky here and that's what we're able to do um and you're doing it with a good a good group of people i think we're yeah. so fortunate to have that there's people yeah. out there you know close to me who are in a job that they're not necessarily ha- happy with and it's like fuck you know you need to need to reflect on that and think yeah you know the position that we're all in we're very lucky to be in this position we can all learn off each other and um and yeah, and it's just about like believing in each other. And I think it's like nice. We've got a platform that we can give each other the confidence boost when we needed it and stuff. 100%, but yeah, and I think yeah. like linking back to what you said, Ben, like this is just another chapter. Like this is just another part of it. You've got to kind of just take a step back and just look or just gain perspective of everything. Like, okay, I have worked to get to this point and, you know, I'm still young. I'm only at this point. I've still got so much left to do and to learn and to accomplish. Mm-hmm. Why am I going to beat myself up about this tiny little thing that I can't can't quite do yet? Mm. Let's just keep going mm-hmm. and just keep heading forward. Exactly that. Yeah, it's really funny because that you two experience that. I don't know if that's more common in creatives. Whereas mine's the flip side. I, I never doubt my ability, and I'm mm. never not confident to do it. But when something goes really right, and people are like, "Oh, well done, you nailed that," I don't have any like. I think, mm, did I do that much? Was that yeah. me? Was was that all Dan? Has this whole thing been all Dan? And I've just kind of just been fucking doing emails, like, and that's where my brain goes. Like, yeah. I don't really get projects and think oh, yeah. I can't do this. I just I just do it. I don't think about. I don't worry about being able to do it. But when stuff does go right, or, or for example, overanalyze, yeah, I just don't. I don't really like pat myself on the back. I don't really. You don't take that time to reflect. Well, no, I definitely reflect. It's more like when I when I, when I do reflect, I'm just like that. That wasn't really like down to you though, Ben, or like you didn't really do that much, or like when well, I might have done loads, you know. Yeah. Or like oh, it was you know that they probably would have done that without you, you know. Like it, it's it's less so of like worrying about doing the job right and more never actually patting myself on the back and saying yeah, you fucking you've done fucking well there, you've nailed that. Yeah. You know, that was you that did that. That I don't really have those thoughts. 
Yeah. And for the longest time, it was like, you know, especially into this, going into this role as well, it's like, it became like how I like fell into the business side. And it was like, my path was like, so much more unclear than Dan's. Mm. Like Dan's like, he was the creative. So like, he was in charge of the creative. He would be the one doing the creative. Video design, photography, everything, that was his thing. And that like, we had jobs backed up and Dan had loads of work to do. And mine was like, I was just figuring out what the fuck I was supposed to be doing day to day. Yeah, you know, just sometimes I'd be sat there, and I remember in desk, like twiddling my thumbs, like, "What the fuck do I do?" I, you know, I want to support Dan, but I'm not anywhere near skilled enough creatively to like take on anything that he has. And like being like a 22, 23, 24 year old at the time, it was like trying to work out how to run a business and how to scale. And it was like these questions that I've, you know, I didn't even do business studies at school. I didn't, I haven't got a degree, I haven't got qualifications. I didn't know. My dad wasn't a businessman. Like I didn't have like this mentor figure saying go and do this go and do that you just have to figure it out along along the way do you think being in desk definitely helped kind of steer you and gain knowledge from people and kind of help you build those foundations into otter it was definitely an incubator i say like being around other people who are business owners made you made you open your eyes more to it and and took some of the stress or loneliness away because mm-hmm. you could ask advice yeah but you know, yeah, being a business owner like is it's tough. It's, it's definitely take takes a mental toll. But no, like I say that, but it's nowhere near as tough as getting up for a nine to five you fucking hate. Because yeah. I did that for years, and nothing. No, it's nowhere near as shit as that. No, getting up and going to like a call center, I hated it. Yeah, and like the the feeling you get of being an entrepreneur and like the stress, like oh my god, there's four salaries to pay for. Me and Dan have mortgages now. Like we, now we now we really can't fuck up, you know. Like there's a lot of money on the line. Yeah. But none of that is as tough as waking up. I think and going to a shit job. Yeah. Day to day with no no idea of how to get out. A lot of people are in that. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a shame. Um, yeah. It's yeah. It's 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 a shame that people are sadly in a position like that and sometimes they feel that they are maybe stuck in a rut Locked. what what can people do do you think to get out what because i've said this before to people and it's you know someone who i know who's who's in that position it's like i sometimes think you just need to kind of get out of that nine to five and find like a filler job you know even if it's getting out mm. and doing the most basic of jobs mm-hmm. which which takes you out of the big responsible job that you're currently in go and take a just a you know a, a coffee shop job do something just to reset mm. Mm. Take some time, go out, reset, recharge your batteries, feel a little bit more inspiration in your life and less of a drain on your life yeah. and then go for it again. Because it's not like, it's not like, oh, you do that and your life's over. Yeah. You know, yeah. you can go out, you can reset and then go back to it in, in a year or, yeah. you know, find a new position in a year's time. I think that's, that's a big thing as well. It's like, you know, you only get one shot at this. That we know in of. In the long run. Well, that we know of, Yeah. Unless this is all a simulation. It could be a resurrection cheat code or something. <laughs> cheat code. Up, down, up, down, X. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but yeah, like, I think that's something that I've learned within the last probably six months. It's like, what's the point in getting so worked up and, you know, getting worried about things? It's like, this, we're only here once. What What is the point? Um, and I think Charlotte has helped me teach that a lot as well because she's very... She's like quite cutthroat in in a way. Like she did two years of a degree at university, and then she's like, "This is shit. I'm not enjoying this. I'm going to restart uni." And it's like, "All right, that is so ballsy. I would never have the balls to do that. Go for it. Right decision, like, though. Yeah, she's so happy now. She loves the course that she's doing, um, and I just admire that. I, I just admire that about her, um, and I think that is 
kind of the the best way to live day to day. Pays to be ballsy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I think if you want to get out of that, you need to... The, the hardest thing, I think, is to find something that you find really inspiring or something that you find inspiring enough that you're willing to dedicate all of your free time to it, like mm-hmm. we did for our evenings and weekends, mm-hmm. to the point you can grow. Equally, I think, getting out of the job that you hate to do something different, like like working in a coffee shop or just something something easy, you know, something that you can, you can get on with and still have enough money to pay all your bills in the interim as like a stepping stone is a really really good idea because you don't need to have the job if you hate it like if you're not if you're not earning loads of money or you're not learning loads get out yeah it needs to be one of the two and if it's neither why are you doing it like at the end of the day i i remember people saying to me like are you not like are you not like really worried about taking the leap into like self-employment or or like scared about what's going to happen and i remember gary vaynerchuk put it perfectly he's like what's the fucking alternative yeah just like working a job that i hate for the rest of my life because i'm too scared to take the risk fuck that yeah fuck that because I, I either do it now or i do it in five years and think why didn't i do this sooner absolutely i don't think that about art though i think we did it at a very good time like <laughs> if i did it at 18 we would have fucking crumbled mate yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i think it's um i, I do think um that we, we we met shiv from you know juno who started um you know, do you know, obviously the company, the, the huge freelancing company, and he thinks the whole world is going to go more freelance. And I completely agree because it's so accessible. I was saying mm. to Amber, like, you know, she said, like, oh, you know, I'd love to start my own company one day. And I always say to her, it's not fucking hard. Mm. It's not hard. It's just, it's just scary. And it's a risk take. Like me and Dan are not rocket scientists. We haven't got this algorithm we're following. And we're no. just like, oh, do this every day and it's going to work out. It's not. It's just, we probably got a bit lucky of choosing the industry because it's a growing industry. We've worked hard. We've we were really well connected with friends and family and we just and we didn't like buy loads of stupid gear or pay ourselves stupid salaries early on we just hustled you know and literally i think if you do that you're probably going to be all right as long as you're in a good industry and a good product and it's like it hasn't been you don't need to be a genius i mean amber's got a master's degree she's more than capable of doing something like that yeah. i can dream of getting a master's degree i'd probably fucking i'd walk out of university i haven't yeah. got the patience for it but like running a business it's just it's just commitment and if you can commit to someone, you can commit to a business. If you if you can commit to a relationship and say, I'm I'm never gonna like be unloyal to this person. I'm gonna build a life with this person, move in, and like if I'm a dick, I'm gonna say sorry. If she's a dick, I'm gonna talk to her about it, like and commit to that person daily. That's all a business is. That's that's my and Dan's relationship. It's just committing to to each other and to the yeah. business. It's not hard, I would say. And that's what you were saying about um about you know everyone's just on this path. Mm-hmm. It's like everyone and all these companies and people starting companies and who run companies everyone's on that journey it's all started with like a person or a couple of people having an idea and then just growing it and then Mm -hmm. everyone's still on that journey look at the biggest companies that's still that's still just started from an idea that someone's had and then it's just scaled to whatever size and there's no reason that that idea or that thing you want to do can't be that you've just got to take that leap yeah i think a lot of my happiness comes from fulfillment Mm. which i get from the role i get from the job uh whereas i didn't really get that from many jobs so when i did it wouldn't it would like you know i'd get it at the start of the role and then after six months it would go next job it'll go mm. after four months novelty kind of wears off it wears off quicker yeah. and quicker and quicker before i realize i need to start my own thing and so i think like i get a lot of joy from running my own company and i think a lot of people would a lot of people would get you know all the all the things you all the safety and the good salary and stuff you get from maybe having a, a corporate job none of that makes a fucking difference when you can have the freedom and the, and the happiness that comes with being your own person or running your own thing and i think a lot of people want to do that yeah um and i think a lot of people should do it because life's just life life's better 
Yeah. I'm definitely happier. Not that I was necessarily unhappy before, but like life's just life's just so much better now that I run a company. Or like even even to be honest, even if I was you, Joss, I'd be really happy because I like this hey. is this is a cool place to work, I think. Yeah. And I'm I'm so happy and I, I'm extremely grateful every day that I get to come here and just well, not just stick about, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> we dick about, we have a laugh, we make cool shit and like it's a sick place to work. I'm very, very grateful. I just wish Max lucky. felt the same as you, mate, because like yeah, he just, you just, know, he hates it's so it good here. that he hasn't got a microphone right now. <laughs> shaking his head. <laughs> cuts, four, cuts to the third camera, sees him shaking his head. <laughs> so I guess the biggest issue that men face is that it's it's not very easy or they don't really know how to talk to people about these things that they might be feeling. They don't know how to talk to their mates or family members because um, they can't really understand or process what's going on they don't really know how to explain it um yeah yeah i think that's pretty true um i i'm lucky to have uh, a supportive men in my life ben ben lawton being one of them um and i guess it is it is easier to it's always easier to kind of talk to your i don't know is it easier to talk to your partners or your 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 male friends what do you think i guess it depends on what what it is the subject is yeah partners yeah i'd say partners unless it's about the partner <laughs> <laughs> then then it's you then guys you, yeah <laughs> then you talk to your business partner. well then you just need a vent don't you um but yeah i agree um and i think that kind of comes into a an event that happened recently um where we had a shoot in where was it it was in london was it a gwr shoot when i was walking to the train station i was basically walking oh, yeah. to the train station mate and um i was already quite stressed because i had to drop stella off at my dad's and stuff and then get out of my car and the heavens have just opened and I've got to walk from like the middle of town all the way down to the train station. It's bad. It's, yeah. it's, it's like it's a 10, like 15 minute walk, isn't it? Maybe the most torrential rain that I've seen. Yeah. And I had my barber coat on, my Dickies trousers, which are very heavy, and my Finisterre shoes, which I thought were waterproof and they're definitely not. And I got absolutely hammered by the rain and mm. um, walking down to the station, I had an umbrella, luckily, the umbrella was doing nothing and then out of nowhere this massive gust of wind just takes the umbrella and just turns the umbrella inside out and then it almost felt as soon as that happened the rain got heavier and nothing was going right that morning and i as the umbrella turned itself inside out i took that umbrella and literally two-handed it across like a like a billboard on the side of the road and just absolutely lost it and and i think in my head i think it might have been a bit of a breakdown because i like I completely broke into tears. I like have never been so upset in all my life. I like, I just was just fucked. My head was screwed and I was so angry smashing this, uh, this umbrella against the wall, against the lamppost. And just like, I was like screaming down the road. I was like, I was like, like, fuck, like, fuck, like, as like, I must've said fuck like four or five times and was like, for fuck's sake, this is the, like, I was so wet and I was like I've got it was the puppies the puppy the dog shoot and I was like I've got to like go to the station and I've got to like meet GWR and I'm fucking soaked and I was dripping wet and I was like like near the bus stops umbrella was like in pieces on the floor obviously obviously <laughs> and I'm just like there's people in the bus stops watching me and I'm just <laughs> destroying this thing and I was thinking there's the hotels about and I bet the people are just watching me getting smashed up and i was just like in tears so much i was i I was completely beside myself um and then i walked down and then i got into like the zurich building got there hid undercover 
And I was like, just, I couldn't catch my breath, mate. I was like crying that much. And I haven't cried like that in fucking years. Um, and I was just like, what do I do? Like, I'm soaked. I'm in a right state. So I ended up just calling Ben. I was like, Ben. And I, like, you're right, you're right, mate. And I was like, and I, I couldn't talk for like fucking 10 seconds. Yeah. You you must have been like, what the hell is that? Because yeah. you probably heard me like breathing. Really. Yeah. And I was like, I need you to bring... Half seven in the morning. Yeah, I need you. I need you right now. I need you to bring clothes to me right now. And I was just like... Because as well, I always think... I always call you sometimes and like, you never pick up. But this one time you picked up, I was like, thank God. And uh, and then you like, was like, yes, mate, I'll be there in like two minutes. Like, give me two minutes, I'll be there. And I was like, fuck me. Like, I was so, so upset, so annoyed. And then like, I think as soon as like, you were like, yeah, I'll be there in like five minutes straight. I was like, cool. And then like, I kind of set my reset. I was like, cool big deep breath I was like I now need to get to the train station walk to the train station and was like way calmer saw Ben's Volvo flying down the road he had like I got got in the back of the car like, I a, just, like a whole H&M fucking clothes line yeah, ready for him he had this like, massive he had a massive Ikea bag full of clothes <laughs> I don't know what the fuck he wants to wear of mine you and then just like I just like was just in the car I was just like he was like you're right and I was just like I think I didn't really say much so I was just like I, I, I think we both knew like I just knew that you'd obviously had a fucking shit morning yeah. and just lost it and it happens yeah and I just like put these tight jeans on I didn't know what I was to give you mate. I thought I'd give him trousers but his cocks his balls are going to look so big on my trousers <laughs> he's put, got goat bollocks mate yeah. they wouldn't fit I put the put the shirt and the trousers on which very much appreciated but at that moment it was so nice to know that you know Ben was there for me and and like I, I mean I couldn't I couldn't have I would not have been in the right headspace to film. And I was almost thinking that like, I'm just going to sack it in. I'm like, mm. I can't, I can't go on. I can't go to this shoot because I'm, I'm embarrassed with how wet I am, first of all. And also just like the state that I was in. And I was at the train station, like post crying for like five minutes. And I was like, fuck, like, you know, GW are going to turn up and see what state I am. <laughs> <laughs> but luckily Ben turned up and like, just chilled out in his car for like five minutes. I was like, okay, yeah. cool. But um, Your dicky trousers, mate, because I, I washed it when I got back, they were head to toe drenched it's, it was like someone had dunked them in a swimming pool yeah. that's how wet they Jesus. were they, they would not dry like, it's not the thing like oh wear them they'll dry out they yeah. would not dry out they're not they're, they're, they're not yeah. they yeah. don't dry easy they're heavy mate yeah yeah they were so heavy and I had my barbecue on as well which is so heavy when it's wet too which isn't waterproof which made me even more annoyed because I was like <laughs> it's supposed to be waterproof and I'm soaked underneath yeah <laughs> especially when you've got like a like a really nice Gore-Tex jacket at home. Yeah. so yeah so that I think for me that was like in, in honesty, I think I think it's probably the only time that I've really felt like not good. Like, I mm. and I hardly ever get, I hardly ever get in a bad headspace. I've been, I've always been quite lucky in a way. And I think people, we've we've spoken in the past. And it's like, you know, and I can honestly say, oh, you know, I, mean, I never really feel bad. I never really feel, you know, anxious or upset or anything else like that. But at that moment, I think it was a bit of a breakdown, and I just lost it. And um, yeah, I think the support that. Ben gave me that day and then like got on the shoot and then me and Max had a good shoot and I spoke about it with Max and stuff and yeah, crazy. But yeah. Do you think that was a build up of anything before the morning as well? Do you think it's just like a general like stress of yeah. just life building yeah, up? Yeah, it's probably a build up. I think like... Stella barking like crazy. Mate, prior to that, I think it was like I was trying to, uh, I was trying to get someone to look after Stella, couldn't figure it out thank god like my dad had the day off work so he could look after stella so it was like this week of like what are we gonna do with the dog oh hannah can't have her she can't do this and then it's like maybe stuff at home or i don't know like you know you go at home and then something's not right at home um all like little things they all build up they all build up and i think it was just a massive just crescendo of emotion that came out of me yeah and 
got released through the umbrella, two-handed onto a lamppost. I wish we had that as a clip, mate. mate. Yeah. As soon as I did it, I was like, I would love to see. There's got to be CCTV somewhere. Of you fucking losing yeah. your shit. In my upset mate. state, I was the first thing I thought to mind was like, there has to be a camera somewhere. I, remember, I need to see this back. I remember waking up, mate, and just like listening to the rain. And I remember thinking, saying Amber, because we have a lean-to, we have like a plastic roof at the back. And I remember saying to Amber, like, That's, that rain is so loud. Mm. It's really bad at the moment. I'm thinking like... I'm I'm in bed. Like um, this is great. You know, I can just yeah. listen to the rain. And then Dan calls me like in a in a stress, and I I kind of almost knew it was fuck. It, it must be something to do with the rain because of how bad it was. It's like you instantly link it in your head. Yeah. Either that or he's like been mugged. <laughs> yeah. But I thought it's bright out. Like no one's gonna mug him at yeah. half seven. And Dan's a bit of a nutcase. As, as in the, the rain, I found well. out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, to take the umbrella to them. Yeah. <laughs> that was Hannah's umbrella too. Lovely oh. umbrella it was. Was it actually? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> Got home that day. I was like, "Yeah." What I, did you say to her? Well, I told her like what had happened. I just told you guys and just said like, "Yeah, your umbrella is destroyed. It's somewhere in a bin. Like I just smashed it so hard, it's in pieces." Have you bought a replacement for it? No. <laughs> I, and I vouched to never use an umbrella again. They just let me down at my worst time in life. Yeah. You can get like super strong weathered ones. Don't believe it. <laughs> so yeah, I think you know the, the. I guess it comes back to that. I was I was lucky to have support close to home. Sadly, some people don't have that support. Um, I was like, I was watching my favourite TV show, which is um, Saving Lies at Sea, RNLI, <laughs> last night. And um, You're such a bloke, man. <laughs> I love that show. Uh, but sadly, there was a guy in Brighton who was on the, the edge of a pier um, who was not in a good way. And he, you know, he threatened to jump off. And then he did jump off into the sea at Brighton. And he was in like a full, he had like, you know, jeans, T-shirt, jacket on, everything. And the RNLI were on standby just around the back of the pier, watching, waiting, just in case it happened. And it did happen. They went round to get him, and they they were struggling to get him back into the boat. So one of the guys jumped into the water and was, like, holding him up to save him. And apparently the whole time he was just... And you can see it in the video. He was just trying to push his head underneath the water to, you know, to... To die. Yeah, yeah. To, yeah to sadly take his own life. But... um the guy who was in the water with him luckily spoke to him, kind of calmed him down, got him in a better headspace. Um, and then they tried to lift him up in the boat and they picked him up by his coat and he like wriggled out of his coat and tried to then again try and take his own life. But um, yeah, not like so, so luckily that they did calm him down in the end. They got him in the boat, they took him back to the station, spoke to him and when he left, he was in a better space. He, I think he got the ambulance back. But um, since then he's gone back for like a coffee and stuff with the, That's cool. with wow. the, with the boat crew and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, I guess at times in life you do feel like you might not have support, but there are support services out there, mm-hmm. which uh, are only growing. You know, these yeah. these companies are growing, and there's more there's more uh, places to get support, like the Men's Mental Health Swindon page and stuff, where there's yeah. like the individual companies that have that. So we'll have some um, links in the description of the podcast if anybody feels they need some services or some services that you think you need to send forward to a friend or family member yeah including ben's remote h&m clothing rack yes please oh yeah make sure you, you get yourself that. in a pickle i can drive down with some charles white shirts or some h&m jeans and that was oh, a charles white shirt i had wasn't it yeah it was oh, yeah. I, mean, I didn't know what else to give you i was like you know just what selection what is an overshirt yeah wow i actually put, i actually put some really nice stuff in there you should, which you didn't choose and i was a bit like oh <laughs> you know, definitely what i would have won i was just going for the dry stuff yeah the dry stuff yeah josh you ever lost it before I've never lost it. I was thinking as you were telling that story, I've, I feel like I've always been quite good with anger and I've never really like let go in a sense like that. And I, mm. I, maybe it's just a case of I've never been in a situation where I've needed to. 
I think probably the angriest I've ever got is just like a little bit of road rage when someone's cut me up or something like that and I've just whacked on the horn for a bit longer than usual but you know road rage is normal isn't it I guess but I've never I've never really let go like that because of anger um I think we all get road rage yeah it's bad isn't it but it's good we need to make sure we just remove that be the better person stay calm Stay collected. When I worked at the police, stay loaded. When I worked at the police, it used to happen. They used to call it red mist. Yeah, it's like the name for it. It's like scientifically researched and stuff. Mm. And if a, a, an officer has like, is like pursuing a vehicle for for whatever reason, and the pursuit gets called off, that officer then has to pull over for fifteen minutes. Oh wow, and, really? And sit stationary because if they obviously come off the pursuit and carry on with their job, they're still in this super worked up, angry like state mm-hmm. that you get in the car, and that you have to pull over and sit there for fifteen minutes doing nothing. Just so that because they call it like red mist descends upon like over your eyes. Like, we've all had it. Yeah, you just fucking you go from like being completely normal to like batshit crazy, saying words that your mum has never heard you say before. <laughs> like the shit that comes yeah. out of your mouth from road rage is disgusting. Yeah, you know. And I think as you get older, you just learn to like fucking not really care as much. There's no point. Nah, you become yeah. aware of it, don't you? Yeah, it's still a really weird phenomenon though. How angry and how quickly you can get, even the calmest people. Yeah. My dad's always been good at that. I remember my dad. I'd always be in the car on holiday. With my dad and people would cut him up, and he wouldn't. He just wouldn't do anything. And I used to think, what, what a fucking pussy! Why isn't he doing anything? I used to fucking <laughs> like lean over and beep the fucking horn, like "fuck you, dickhead," you know. But now I got older. I thought, ah, if anything, that's a fucking skill. It's, you know, you just yeah. just not not care. It's so much nicer when you when you see someone else get angry and you think, why are you bothering? That, yeah. You're using so much energy and you're getting so worked up for no for no reason, really. At the end of the day, I mean. Unless it's super dangerous, but if it's something just a minor inconvenience, you know, sometimes you get people beep at you, and it's like, oh, come on, mate, like I wasn't really that close or whatever, like that. Um, it's just, yeah, I think you, people use a lot of energy and take out a lot of anger in the wrong situations. What other topics do you have there? Well, I wanted On to. Your go, laptop. I want. <laughs> I wanted to go into um, maybe fears. I, I feel like we've probably discussed that a bit, but are there any? kind of fears that of just life fears that you have to combat every day um max bringing a sony camera into the office <laughs> pippin donuts going under oh god uh wagamama's going under mm. light bulbs going out light bulbs going light bulbs out, going out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, i guess i wouldn't I, i'll leave that one then go, go on, on Josh. Um, i fear nothing <laughs> i fear nothing uh, and it's, I guess, quite a heavy one to jump into. But I, get, I think my biggest fear uh, would be death and dying and getting to a point where I feel like I haven't accomplished anything and then that's it. You know, I think I have a a constant fear of um, maybe just like waking up one day and, okay, boom, you've now got a life-changing illness. You've got X amount of weeks to live that's it mm. it's like oh shit okay a death sentence basically I'm, I'm 21 I've done what feels like fuck all right now what would um, you think you should have achieved by now I don't know but it's just that what if like what if tomorrow you're told you've only got X amount of time to live I, it's, it's I don't know it's hard to process and I think I tr- I try to combat that with just living very intentionally and you know, it's very cliche, but living every day as if it's your last and trying to just take in every moment. But I think 
some and I've I don't I've had it maybe once before where it's almost crippling, um, having that that kind of fear of death and that, and it's not always just on me. It's what about death happening happening to other people, um, and maybe like, you know, what if my my parents die and I haven't told them I love them mm-hmm. for the last time or I haven't seen them. Um, and then, you know, there's some days where it's like, oh, I haven't texted my mum today and she hasn't actually texted me because I haven't texted her back from yesterday yet. For all I know that she might be in hospital right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I don't know how to deal with that because my mind spirals very quickly into things like that. It's like, oh shit, I haven't heard from my mum today. Oh fuck, she could be in hospital. She might have just got in a car crash this morning. <laughs> oh right, I'm going to text my mum now. Yeah. But you know, it's like... It's you never that, text me that. <laughs> it's that constant, like what if of like oh i haven't done this thing or like what if this happens and then i've only got this amount of time it's never like oh you know in 60 years you're gonna die you know that's a given that's gonna happen we're all gonna die one day it's more so like having a sudden stop to everything and everything kind of just being put on hold because it has to be are you are you are you scared of dying or are you scared of losing the control Losing control. Mm. So you're scared of having something that's going to come in and change everything and you can't do anything about it. Yeah. But the idea of death. It's not like I'm scared of something horrific happening and the pain of that. It's more so the this has happened and I I haven't done all of this, all this other stuff I wanted to do with my life. I haven't seen all these people. I haven't done all these other things that I want to do. Um, FOMO. In a way, yeah, FOMO. Um, and I think in a way that was put into perspective. When I was 15, I lost my granddad on my mum's side. And while it wasn't sudden, because he had cancer for a while and he deteriorated and we kind of knew that his time was coming to a close, but I think kind of arrogance of a 15-year-old boy, I kind of didn't want to acknowledge that I knew what was happening. So it was like, um, my granddad's in bed, you know, um, and I'm like to my mum, oh, I'm just, I just want to go out and play with my friends because I don't, I don't want to sit around a bed and watch, you know, this head of, uh, this head of the family just disappear Mm -hmm. and not be um, the character that I've always known. Um, And then when that happened... I didn't know how to process it. And then I remember like maybe like six months later, I was like, fuck, I haven't seen him in a while. Oh my God, I'm never going to see him again because he's dead. And no matter what I do or what I want to do, there's no way that I can see that person again. I think that's kind of where that fear comes from of like, every time I say goodbye to someone, it's, I kind of treat it as, this could be the last time mm. I say goodbye to this person. So, do you think about it a lot then? <laughs> yeah, uh, I'd say a crippling amount because, like, every morning I leave for work, I squeeze Charlotte a little bit harder, and then it's like, all right, I'm going. Oh wait, I'm just going to come back and hug you again because I'm worried that I might go get in a car crash on my way to work. <laughs> then I hug my mum and I hug her a little bit longer because, like, I might go home and then I might get into a car crash and I might not see you again. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a tricky one to deal with, and I know that's a big heavy topic to put on the podcast and to you too but it's nothing on spotted dick 
<laughs> no, I, I get what you mean, mate. It's more. I, I I used to feel like that. I used to be fair, like like think like, oh my god, what if I get cancer? What if I get like, like yeah. you know, diagnosed something terminal or something happens? You know, that, that I used to worry about it. I used to get in a, like a state of worrying about it, and now I kind of just. I think I've just accepted it. I've accepted the fact that it, that could happen, but you know, like that maybe that's God's or the universe's plan, or you know, there's maybe there's maybe it's supposed to happen like that. You know, and at the end of the day, I just need to be happy with what's happening and what I've done, and not wasting time. And you know, if, if I went now, at least I can. You know, I got engaged. I ran a business for a bit. I had a bit of fun. Met loads of dogs. Like I've done. You know, I've had a way better life than arguably 50% of the world population just because of how privileged I've been to be born where I am. And it's like, it's not, it's not so bad. And I think like the idea, like, I think we need death. Otherwise, why would you be be motivated to do anything? Yeah. There's no weight to anything. If you don't fear death, there's no, you know, it's, it's completely true. Like it motivates you to get on and do stuff when you're young. I think when you're like, when you're like pre 20, you don't give a fuck because you're just like, I'm invincible. Like, it's taken yeah. so long to get to 20. Like, it's going to take ages to get to, like, 85, whatever the average is. But mm. then you get into 25, and it's like, mm, those five years went a lot faster than I thought they would, you know? Yeah. And, like, 25 to 30 is going really quick. I'm 28 next year. I'm still young as fuck. But every year, the years are getting faster. Yeah. But I don't know. Like, the idea of, like, having complete darkness and there's no nothing before, nothing after is, like, terrifying. But equally... I, I think I believe in the fact that um, your souls live on, but you're just having like a human experience at this point. Mm. I don't know what happens after. Like, you know, maybe I turn into a bowling ball. You know, like, reincarnation into yeah, a bowling like, ball. fucking anything can happen. But I think it's um, there's something quite sweet about death. I think yeah, and I don't really get upset when people die. Yeah, which Amber has said is really weird and maybe slightly psychotic but yeah i don't really i don't know i don't i don't want to sound like i'm I'm accepting of it like if dan died i'd be distraught yeah but i don't know if like i think i'd accept it very quickly yeah or maybe i like to think i would maybe if you know if fucking amber died mate i don't know i might i might call into a pit and turn into a leprechaun i don't know or like you know hit the bottle really hard i think i always worry about my parents and stuff for example i don't look at it of like my parents in their mid-50s my dad's nearly 60. I don't look at it of like, they've probably got 20, 30 years left. I look at it like, I see them on average four or five times a year. Times that by 30. That's how many times I'm going to see yeah. them before they die, likely. Maybe there's more or less visits based on when I have grandkids. But like, that's as much time as I get with them. Once that's up, that's gone. Um, yeah. So I, I look at visits now rather than years left. And equally, like my, dad's, my dad could get cancer tomorrow. Like He's at the age where he's getting more and more at risk. So does my mum. So I don't really worry about myself dying. It's more like family i guess yeah or dan um that's something happening to dan like he i can just see him doing like you know we'll, i feel like we'll be out on a night out somewhere like bristol or bath and you see some <laughs> scaffolding and he's like wants to go up and do some pull-ups and he falls off at eight feet breaks his back it's in a wheelchair can't work anymore and then we just slowly <laughs> stop talking to each other like those things could happen yeah not like not like i'm wishing for that but like dan <laughs> dan does do some crazy shit when he has a few drinks don't you dan i do there we go so there we go there we go it's funny. It's it's interesting because Hannah's just like that. Yeah, she's really like she overthinks the hell out of it too, and I'm not, and I don't know why that is. Um, I don't know if it's my upbringing. I don't know if it's because I've never suffered a big loss, 
Yeah. I think maybe that's something to do with it. That could be it for me too, I think. I think for, yeah. you know, for like you with your grandfather and then Hannah, like Hannah sadly lost her horse in like a very tragic accident. When It's not until something big happens in your life that mm. you then realize, shit, yeah. this is real. Like things can happen very, very quick in a flash, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that's obviously maybe massively down to yours. And then you've also got the guilt inside and you think to yourself, Oh, as a 15-year-old kid, why didn't I put more effort in to see my grandfather when he was in bed? But you shouldn't blame yourself for that because you're a 15-year-old kid. Yeah. Yeah. You, along with millions and billions of other kids, would be in the exact same like headspace. Yeah. And I think I, when my, I think it was my uncle, he passed away. He was in London, and I think I went to see him once. You know, he's a bit of a distant relative, but it's like still, I went to see him once, and and I think even that was probably. I think my dad was like, oh, you know, I really want you to come with me, and. I was probably given resistance because I was a young guy, a young kid who was wanting to go out and play and do this kind of stuff. Yeah. But, you know, you can't look, you can't, and you can't hold yourself, you know, accountable and like make yourself feel bad for not doing that when you were younger because you were younger and you were in a different place. If it happened today, you'd be completely different. Yeah, that's very true. You know, and it's just about, like you said, you, you know, you make sure you live every day to its full potential. And you do. And also you shouldn't feel guilty about, oh, you know, I'm 21 and if I had a life-changing condition tomorrow morning, I'd feel like I've not achieved anything. Because you've achieved a shitload. Yeah. And yeah. most people have. So, like, yeah. there's there's no reason for you to feel anything uh, guilt or bad mm. about what you've done in life. The only thing you can do is move forward yeah. and make a, make more of a positive impact in your life. Yeah. You, you Like you say, hug your loved ones more. Call up your parents. Mm. You know, call up your nan, like... I, I, I'm terrible for it, but like my nan, she's the, the only grandparent that I've got left. I think I've see, I see her at Christmas. She lives in Swindon. Yeah, I see her at Christmas. Probably see her on my birthday. But I make I make a terrible effort, and and I need to change that. And and I have I have been making more of a conscious effort recently. By when Hannah and I go to like we go out on a walk, and we always call it every Sunday now dur- yeah. during a walk. It's just making that call, you know. Mm. because you know sadly for my my nan she's she's disabled she's in a wheelchair and she's in a care home and she literally i think during lockdown all she saw was a carer during that whole time yeah and 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 and, and still today i think they're a bit more you know they're less covid conscious but like she's still not seeing many people mm. and it's like if you have got a loved one like that just like give them a call yeah you know yeah, take 100%. so definitely take your don't take your friends and your family for granted yeah make the effort to make more of a uh you know connection with them i think that's again something that i've learned or i've yeah i've I've learned to deal with better recently it's like i might have these fears but if that means that you know i i hug these people a bit harder and i text these people a bit better and a bit more frequently then i know i'm doing the most i can to you know live more intentionally mm-hmm. and it's like and I think I'm I'm quite bad for it in a sense where maybe, you know, say me and Charlotte have had a falling out about something. I don't want to fall out about something for long or, you know, I go to work and we've had an argument or we go to bed and we've had an argument or something like that. Because it's like, you know, tomorrow is never guaranteed. So I don't want the last moment with you to be this bitter, mm-hmm. horrible moment. I want it to be, let's fix this um, and solve whatever problem this is and move on. And I think that's what I try to kind of do constantly now. It's just like, something happens, let's just move on. Let's just keep going because there's no point getting worked up about these things. And Charlotte, you know, she might, and I think it's probably a normal thing, she may 
be angrier or have these feelings for a bit more longer than I would. But it's just because I want to get it dealt with. Let's move on where she's like, no, I'm I'm still annoyed about this thing, even though we settled it, which is like a completely fine, normal human reaction. But I just want to put it bury it. Yeah, and let's carry it. on. Yeah. There's no point. The, the One of the quotes that my mom always said to me was, you should never sleep on an argument. Yeah, I've heard that as well. And it's, you good. definitely shouldn't. <laughs> no. So, yeah. Well, it's good that you've told us that, Joss. Thank you. I hope we've helped you. You have, definitely. Good. Thank I you. like to sleep on a bed. How would you physically sleep I, on an argument? I <laughs> like I like to sleep on you. Podcast Lovely. gone sexual, <laughs> gone wrong. I guess that was my fear. Do you two have any fears that you want to go into? Maybe like, well, t- oh yeah, poltergeist, <laughs> supernatural, but that's not really on yeah. on topic for this one. No. Um, that fucks my mental health sometimes. Amber, I sleep by the door in our bedroom because I just sometimes will just be like, oh, there's a ghost. Amber, 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 and you know. Yeah. It's completely irrational, which is really illogical for me, but it's um <laughs> just who I am. Quick fear, quick fire round. Quick fire round. Yes, poltergeist is things my you, fear. Things you dislike, Max. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. I love so him. Quick. I love him. I love him. Uh, when you say don't like, what do you mean? Yeah, what do you um, mean? so I don't like cling film. <laughs> is this on brand for the podcast? <laughs> just just spicing it up. Come on. Quick fire, Joss. Uh, things you don't like. About myself or in general? Just general, just just hit it. For <laughs> my, <God's> body. <laughs> <laughs> my body, my body. Yeah. Uh, sl- slow drivers, slow drivers. Good shout. Cues. Uh, I hate cues. Uh, avocados because I'm allergic. <laughs> uh, central London. Um, the essential oils thing in the in the um, in the office. It stinks. We can ch- we can check that out, can we? Um, the fact Dan um, hates things but doesn't tell me about them until we're on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay, cool. That's the quick fire round. <laughs> Over with. Perfect. Yeah, but I guess to summarise this podcast, um, you know, if we if we're to tie back into kind of what we've said and summarise it, it's, you know, the fact that you should go out and seek help. And if you, sh- you should speak to someone, like mm. going back to my... The, the anxiety problem I had, the best thing I did was to speak to someone. Was so, because that, that was like, it helped so much to break down what was happening by just having a conversation and like mm-hmm. admitting what was going on. And like, weirdly, I, th- I think this is like, this is like, if you imagine like mental health problems and you have like their secret weapon, their secret weapon is they make you feel guilty or ashamed about what you're going through. And yeah. there's no, there should be no guilt or shame with that. And like get, get, getting help or speaking to someone is like sometimes that's all you really need to do. And you'll be surprised how much that will actually mm. help you. Yeah, you, I think you need to remember that if you've got a harder outer shell, you've got a softer inner shell. We're all soft inside. So just just let your heart out. Tell your friends. Maybe not let your heart out. It might be a bit much. But just, you know, know that your hard, your hard outward persona is nothing if you are not feeling good inside. Exactly. Share your feelings and uh, and other things with your friends and family. Wow, and eloquently put I, I, I can actually put a bit more of a summary like we used to do. Fireside summary. After this, Joss, finish it and then I'll go into a summary. And never keep anything bottled up or inside because it's only going to get worse. And having people in your life that you're comfortable with, you should be able to talk about these things and these feelings um so yeah make sure it is something that you can talk about with the people in your life to quote rupaul 
how the hell are you going to love somebody else if you can't love yourself? Oh, Amen. Nice. We should just finish on that. Probably wrong, but... <laughs> no, I think it's like, how the hell are you going to love your, somebody else if you can't... No, how the hell are you... <laughs> no, if you can't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love somebody else? Okay, queens. That's good. Shimmy. <laughs> Shim, shimmy. Give us your summary, Dan. All right. That will um, intro. Outro. Um, cutting some fireplace music, please. There was once a big, big rhinoceros rolling around the jungle now we all can relate to a rhinoceros well we can't relate to it but we can all truly understand that a rhinoceros is a big animal just it's got a huge horn on the front of its head and it's quite an alpha animal yeah but then again there was also a small what should we say what's a small animal just duck there was a small duck, actually, in the Amazon rainforest with the rhinoceros. Now, the small duck and the rhinoceros were great friends, much like Ben and I. And they were cruising about. And one day, the rhinoceros just went up to the little duck and said, Do you know what, duck? I'm not feeling too good today. And the duck was kind of a bit taken back by it, really, because the duck is only a small animal. And the rhinoceros is huge. And do you know what that, do you know what that tells me, Joss? Go on. Is no matter what size, no matter what you look like, no matter what animal you are, you were never too big to open up and share your problems with a friend like the rhinoceros did with the duck. And you know what, Joss? Go on. After that conversation the duck had with the rhinoceros, the rhinoceros felt amazing. He felt free. He felt a little bit better in himself. He, f- he had a clearer headspace. I'm not sure he... I mean, he's still the rhinoceros. He's still a big, giant animal. But him and the duck shared a nice little moment that time. And um, yeah, I think he... By opening up and sharing his problems, he made his life a little bit better. And that is just, that means that you should also open up to me. Because I'll be your rhinoceros any day of the week. Thank you. Thank you, Rhino Dan. I couldn't think of anything else. Mental health fixed. <laughs> yes, be the rhino. Did you, did you start with a rhino and not know where to go? I didn't know what the secondary animal should be. I thought, what other animals would be in the Amazon rainforest? Rhinoceros is even in the Amazon rainforest. I don't think so. No, they're on the plains of Africa. But it doesn't matter. The story still exactly. stands. They well, spoke. I'm sure there's like ducks and rhinos don't really chill together either. True. Do they? At the watering hole, I would say they probably do, to be fair. You it's think the so? moral of the story. I, after the rhino, I thought instantly of Tigger. Nice. Yeah. I, I can see the connection. Jumping there. around on his tail. Tigger the rhino. <laughs> All right. Thank can, you can, for listening. Can to you this do episode. your queen um, <laughs> quote again, please? If you can't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love somebody else? Good night, sisters. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, RuPaul. Thank you, everybody.